Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 180 of Geek Town Radio. I'm back this week with Bex. Not as if I haven't seen enough of you already this week, but... Oh, cheers. That makes me feel really welcome. Thanks a lot. You're always welcome. It's always lovely to see you. Good backpedaling. Good backpedaling. How are you doing? I'm completely awake, yeah. I've had definitely enough sleep in the last four days. Um, <laughs> of course you have. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, for those of you that don't realise, this is the first podcast after we've both been at uh, MCM London Comic Con for uh, the last three days. It is it is now Monday we're recording this. So yes, both um, somewhat con-liked, I think, <laughs> slightly. Yeah, absolutely peachy. Per- yeah. Perfectly, perfectly awake. <laughs> Didn't fall asleep on the tube at all on the way back an hour ago it's fine oh well done yes well at least you got off of the right stuff i hope so <laughs> i did it's fine i was going to the end of the line it was fine <laughs> uh, yeah always useful yes so um before we get into comic con anything else you want to bring up uh, one of the things i just spotted looking in the brochure for comic con which i really should have read at comic con a very <laughs> yes. useful map in it mortal engines comes out at the 8th of december i'm really looking forward to that have you seen the trailer for that one yes i've seen the trailer for it they were actually showing the first 20 minutes I think they were actually showing at the show. Uh, right, fine. <laughs> Another yeah, thing I missed. Yeah, so so there was so much to see. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I, the book yeah. is brilliant. Yeah, this is uh, Peter Jackson's new film, isn't it? So the trailer looks immense for it. And they, uh, yeah, they were showing, I think, the first 20 minutes of it. And I, they, they were in the cinema truck because not content with having three or four theatres, they also have a separate cinema truck. I was actually talking to the guy there and apparently the reason they have a cinema truck is because a lot of that sort of footage is encoded. So the normal projectors in the theatres aren't able to show it because you need a proper encodable cinema projector to show it. So they have to have a separate cinema truck purely for showing those sort of preview things. The only problem with that is it's quite small. So it's very difficult to get seats in there because like, I was asking about the um, the Mortal Engines thing and he said, yeah, we've pretty much booked up and that was like by the end of the Friday. So, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm not important enough to have um, managed to sneak in if I hadn't booked in advance. So I feel slightly less bad about missing it. But the book is, is awesome. It's Philip Breathe. Uh, it's a quartet of books. I've only read the first one, but it's a, a futuristic London, but it's sort of a whole a, a giant metaphor because cities literally walk around and move yeah. and uh, cities eat towns. Yeah. 
and strip them for resources and things. So it's kind of a giant metaphor for the spreading of cities and, yes, and, and industrialization of the yeah. world. I, mean, I think it's technically a young adult book, but it's um it's very, very well written and well put together. And the cast looks brilliant too. So when I saw the trailer for that came out, I had no idea. I don't know how I'd missed it, but I had no idea they were making a film for it. Saw the trailer come out for it and thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one so much. It does look like it's going to be pretty amazing. But yes, that's out later this year. So uh, I'm definitely one for the cinema. I think that it being oh, a yeah. big Peter Jackson film and you know how good Peter Jackson is when it comes to those big epic stuff. So definitely looking forward to that. I mean, mm. um, we've, we've been into Comic Con already, but uh, there are a couple of other things that uh, popped up this week, which I should mention, which I managed to play and watch a little bit of when I got back last night while I was slumped on those over. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina came out and got the first couple of episodes of that watched. I, I would advise anybody to watch it to watch those two episodes back to back because I found the first episode a little bit slow and only picked up in the last sort of five or ten minutes, but picked up quite a lot. It Basically, they introduced Richard Coyle quite right at the end of that first episode and he's brilliant and that sort of picks everything up. It was definitely shot as a sort of two-hour opener, I think, that it feels like one giant episode. So... Um, um, I really enjoyed it by the end of the second episode. I wasn't so sure sort of at the end of the first episode, but the end of the second episode I thought was really good. It's it's suitably dark and creepy and uh, not quite as, as light and camp as, as bits of Riverdale are. It's it's darker than that. I, I thought it was, it was a really interesting adaptation, so uh, I'm looking forward to watching a little bit more of that. And the other thing that came out was Red Dead Redemption 2, which of course came out on Friday, the day we went down to London Comic Con. So uh, I I didn't manage to get to play that until I got back and then have to wait two hours while it installed everything. But uh, I so- just keep getting thrown by, because obviously the hashtag for it is RDR2. Yes. Being, well- being dyslexic, this, this hashtag keeps throwing me every time I see a tweet about it. <laughs> yes aren't the droids you're looking for I think <laughs> so yeah I, I've played through like the opening bit of it basically so um, I mean it looks beautiful it looks stunning you're sort of in a very snowy wasteland when you start and uh, it's just the trading bits of how all the controls work and that sort of thing but uh, very cinematic really quite stunning we'll talk I'm sure a little bit more about that as the weeks go on and uh, various other people come on and have managed to play it but uh, yes very impressed so far so I'm playing a bit more of that but as we mentioned at the start the big thing this week as course has been comic con so what were your favorite bits other than comic village we'll leave that for a bit because i know that's your favorite bit anyway but other than that what what else were your favorite bits this year apart from being in a place with about 120,000 people i had at least six things in common with um, <laughs> apart from the after parties from which we were all still recovering where yes. all the cosplayers do the macarena and wigfield saturday night nothing yes. like hundreds of cosplayers doing um silly dances all in unison to bring a community together um, it was really good this year I, I really really enjoyed myself I didn't get to see sort of a lot of the guests and the the panels um, yes. sadly I, I always end up kind of missing out on those things with the, the sort of the filming and the schedule that I'm running for doing my own stuff but it was a really good mix of stuff I found it was all laid out really really well I actually found something I could eat as a small highlight for me I've, there's, there's now a stall that sells jacket potatoes I could eat oh, something yeah. yes. which, was, which was pretty awesome that giant skull the giant dragon skull they had oh yeah uh, yeah 
the Game of Thrones stand. There was a lot that more sort good. of there was a lot more specific TV things there this year. Mm. Um, so there was a big Game of Thrones stand. They had the throne, which they bought repeatedly many times. So, but they had a Game of Thrones stand that also had this giant dragon skull, and uh, they it had was some huge. People, I yeah. met a lady that tried to climb inside it. <laughs> she, she told me she wanted to be inside because it was you could pretty yeah, much yeah, just yeah. stood inside it, looked yeah. out the eyeball, yeah, or the eye socket rather. Obviously, you couldn't look out the eyeball. Um, yes. you can tell you can tell we're slightly tired here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was enormous, and I like the fact that they had giant standees and stuff like that. There were lots of good photo opportunities to do silly things with your friends. I met loads of incredible cosplayers. There's some good photos of me pretending to attack a Harley Quinn with a hammer. I seem to do that once every Comic Con now, <laughs> and doing silly poses with a giant MCM sign. Yeah, um, the layout was was good. The way they'd kind of grouped stalls, I found really helpful this time. I found it much easier to find things. The signage was all better because that's one of the things that has always been frustrating about Comic-Con is you, yeah. you spend a weekend trying to look out for things and you'll miss things and I found that the the maps and the signage were really really awesome and helpful and the um, the show guide was really great so that you didn't spend any of your time trying to find stuff you could just look up where things were and yeah. spend all your time enjoying it so that was pretty awesome yeah I mean the sort of individual stands for specific things like the BBC were there for the first time this year with a specific Doctor Who stand and uh, yeah. had a TARDIS and everything that looked completely awesome I thought that was really good there was a giant steampunk store which had a big steampunk TARDIS and yes. a uh, steampunk R2-D2 yeah. uh, and things like that that was pretty cool they had a YouTuber and Twitch area yeah. this time as well which I thought was quite cool that was near the near the gaming area I saw more indie games as well yeah. in, in the games Very, area it I was mean, a they, good mix they had that, a really large gaming area I thought this year as well I mean Nintendo had taken up a, you know the, if you've been to EGX or pretty much anything the last sort of few months that entire nintendo stand that they seem to travel around with that that whole stand seemed to be there so uh huge huge nintendo area and uh yeah like you say they got some of the indie games there there's i mean a sort of back third of of the south hall was was just all games as far as i could see i thought that mm. was that was kind of cool and i just appreciated them having they had a mix of stuff that was kid-friendly games like your splatoons and these kind of things they yeah. had um newer games and more grown-up games plus obviously the indie and it just I just I thought they had a really nice balance and mix of it and it was all spread out enough that even though there were literally you know probably 120,000 people you know Saturday was ridiculous I didn't yeah. feel as uh, sort of hemmed in in a lot of these places so I thought that it just seemed to be just seemed to run really really smoothly this time I'm trying to think what else I saw so much that it's just kind of all it's all yeah, become it blurs a blur into one. awesome yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just a blur of awesome now. Lots, lots of good independent geeky clothing stalls. Uh, Cakes of Faces, I always go and check out for their awesome pun and gaming based stuff. Yeah. Uh, ge- geeky Clean and their geeky soaps. Um, <laughs> and because we had so much sort of Critical Role stuff, because Critical Role has blown up incredibly. Well, yeah, I mean, Critical Role, I, I think, even took MCM by surprise. For those of you who don't know, Critical Role is a, a weekly live streamed Dungeons and Dragons game, basically. And uh, it's a group of voiceover actors, and it's sort of run by one guy and, and a bunch of his friends, and they're all kind of people that do voices and stuff. And they came along, I think they started coming along earlier this year, and it's just grown and grown 
moan mm. and groan to the point that we were supposed to get be getting them up in the press room to do like a talk and they actually cancelled the press interview saying we, we just can't get them away from the floor they'll be mutiny if we take them away from the floor <laughs> um, I think I saw three people on the train in on the Friday with Critical Role t-shirts on <laughs> crazy I mean because they did a panel on the Saturday and you, you couldn't move it was standing room only when you went into the panel it was nuts and they were supposed to do on the Sunday uh, they were supposed to do a, a thing on the the little MCM live stage which is a, it's a tiny little stage that's in the sort of middle so you, you can kind of walk past and, and just stop and watch and they do some of the guest interviews on there and they actually moved that panel to the big main stage as well you'd have to otherwise you'd just end up with the whole of the middle of Comic Con with people exactly. straining to hear yeah. it's awesome to see because I, I, I love D&D I play yeah. D&D and there's always been a small contingency of kind of D&D stuff and lovely dice and bits and pieces you can get and board games at MCM but it was just awesome I could just stand on the train and be just like so I'm a level 3 tabaxi sorcerer what are you <laughs> and people could just answer me and that was kind of cool because it was like it's something that I felt there'd been less of the board gamey people and the D&D people at MCM in recent years with so much kind of film and TV stuff mm. so it was kind of cool to be able to get super geeky over stats of what what are your cantrip spells you know <laughs> <laughs> and and that was really good fun and it was just something fun and varied so that was pretty awesome to see and brilliant to see that their live streaming D&D game is doing so well because it's good fun yeah I mean D&D generally seems to have gone through a major resurgence over the last sort of 18 months and uh, I, I've been noticing more and more people getting back involved with it because I, I I don't play currently but I, I used to play when I was much younger and uh, join I, us I, join I, us <laughs> I, yeah, I'd be very happy to get back into it but uh, yeah I mean I, I think Critical Role are, are partly responsible for that resurgence I think as well because they've just blown up so big it, it's quite phenomenal I'm really happy I for them they're, they're doing so a, well a wider range of younger people yeah bring them into the fold because um, <laughs> d and is such a, a wonderful thing it brings people together all yeah. around a table you can play it seriously you can play it more jokingly you can you can do so much with it you can do short small campaigns or you can do really epic things that you play with your friends or just go join groups as a way of you know meeting new people and play campaigns that last for years it's one of those things that i was always hoping would come back i'm ahead of the curve i was hoping <laughs> it would come back I, I had no hand to play at all in helping it come back but nevertheless <laughs> i was willing dnd to, to make a bit of a comeback because it's always something i i'd miss and since i got back into it myself and obviously you know i, I don't know if, if you remember the the race classes but a tabaxi is a cat person right I'm, yes. I'm a purple cat <laughs> no yeah, surprises well, there well yeah yeah that's i mean you, you are supposed to role play and not just be what you are in real life you know with these things <laughs> well it's a, it's a 21 year old dude sorcerer that oh, okay. breathes like to a certain extent i mean i wish you know i could breathe <laughs> lightning in real life let's be fair that's a bit of wish fulfillment going on there that would just speed up you know cooking and um yeah uh, getting rid true. of your enemies and you know yes but uh, yeah it's, it's definitely um, slightly removed from my actual self but <laughs> <laughs> a little maybe <laughs> a little, but it's good fun and i'm glad to see a lot of younger people as well getting involved in it because so much stuff much as i love online gaming and much as i love these things there's a lot of people being far apart yeah yeah, yeah. and D is one of those things for all the people that want to be 
together in a room and do something preposterous yeah D D is the answer definitely so i uh, th- that's brilliant to see them doing so well and to see that coming back um your friends from um the saber people silver saber were there as well i noticed yes yes of course um they are always there giving out free lessons raising money for charity and generally spreading the word about the, the force it's funny because actually um a lot more people have gone dark side at the silver sabers because <laughs> um, there's two primary teachers one that teaches in London and one that teaches in Milton Keynes and generally the London lot are all light side apart from me (laughs) (laughs) well obviously (laughs) the lot from Milton Keynes for Silver Sabres are generally dark side and they were dark and I've noticed more and more of the London guys are slowly slowly turning to the dark (laughs) side but they were doing displays as well Um, and it's also I saw a tiny little kid she must have been about six dressed as Ray with a little lightsaber doing a lightsaber class and learning learning the Tai Chi moves because it's all Tai Chi yeah. based and it's, it's real sword fighting with sabres and it was just utterly adorable and next to her was a little kid dressed as Darth Vader actually um, <laughs> I'm assuming they were related yeah it is incredibly cute to see the kids they're basically doing a kind of younglings sort of thing and they've got them all doing the saber moves it's, it's absolutely adorable great to see that going back into the TV stuff there was a lot of uh, TV premieres this this time around again not that either of us I think managed to see any of this stuff I missed it, all of them because was, yeah, they were great. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the, they did a, a preview of uh, Curfew, which is this new car racing show that's coming to Sky One fairly soon. That uh, stars Sean Bean. It's got an f- amazing cast. It's Sean Bean, Adrian Lester. There's a whole bunch of other people in there. But uh, they they were doing a panel, I think, and a, and a sort of preview of that. I don't know whether they showed a whole episode or whether it was just bits they were showing, but that looked fantastic. And uh, they did a premiere of Outlander, which comes back this week, I think. That's back on sometime in the next mm-hmm. sort of seven days so they did a preview episode of of the first episode of the new season there was a preview of uh, the last kingdom which is back on on netflix fairly soon people were going netflix why is it on netflix because that's a show that was uh, this is the sort of saxon viking show the one that isn't vikings and uh, it's sort of all told <laughs> from the saxon side of things hashtag not the show that's called vikings <laughs> yeah. it ran on bbc two over here for the first couple of seasons and Basically, it was a co-production between BBC America and BBC Two. Then BBC America dropped out and Netflix stepped in. So it was BBC Two and Netflix. And then the BBC dropped out entirely and Netflix took it over. So uh, the third season is purely on Netflix now. So that's coming back soon. But they, they did a preview of that. They did some press stuff, I think, as, as well for that. But uh, we, we were kicked out of the press room so they could do a big press conference for it because we weren't told about that one until afterwards, which is kind of annoying. So there's that as well. The press interviews are interesting this year because they, they dumped them all on the Friday. Usually we spend Saturday in the press room, but they decided to do them all on Friday. Didn't give us a whole lot of notice that they were doing them all on Friday. So I actually missed the first couple of them because I had to come down from the north to uh, to get to London. We have got interviews which will be going up this week, most of them video interviews. Cast of Shadowhunters, which we're, we're talking about the, the last couple of episodes and the series in general, did an interview with those guys. Uh, Nolan North and Richard McGonagall who uh, are Drake and Sully from the Uncharted series we've done Nolan North a million times before but it's the first time that Richard McGonagall's been there and uh, he's amazing he's got one of those voices you could sit and listen to for hours you want him to be like record bedtime stories and stuff because he's got uh, just a wonderful wonderful voice so I I, man crush then oh yeah totally I love that guy he's amazing Paul McGann was in as well we're actually going to put that interview on later because that wasn't a video interview we just 
did audio recording for that. So uh, Paul McGann, of course, um, Ninth Doctor, I think. Um, the, the one that did the TV movie and then sort of lived on in the uh, audio stuff afterwards. So uh, I, th- I believe technically he's the longest serving Doctor because he was the Doctor while there was a big break while it wasn't on TV. So I think technically he's still the longest serving Doctor. It's all timey-wiminess anyway. Yes. I, don't, I don't question it. <laughs> Vic Mignana, who we've done a few times before, but he's always fabulous. Uh, he's uh, Broly in, dra- in the Dragon Ball series, Edward Elric in Full Metal Alchemist and plays Kirk in Star Trek Continues. He's always really good. Steve Kinderis and uh, Catherine Sutherland, who are two of the Power Rangers. They were really good fun as well. Angus McKinney's, who is a sort of gold leader in Star Wars. He's probably what he's best known for. He's done a bunch of other things as well, like Hellboy and that sort of stuff. That was a really interesting interview. It's one of those things that probably won't get that many clicks when I put it up, but he's really quite fascinating because he's been in the business since he was like 1975. So he's got a load of experience and he's just a jobbing actor and just talking about working with different directors and uh, you know he worked with Del Toro obviously on, on Hellboy and uh, just various things about the industry really fascinating really lovely um, so uh, Angus McKinney say, is uh, his name but that interview will go up later moving on to your favourite bit of the show comic books the indie comic book area so uh, I, I was present for a couple of the interviews you did including the one that I, I can't wait to see the edit of Moon that's interviews in inverted commas that one <laughs> yeah. I, they were so sorry the next day <laughs> they, they were so apologetic it was hilarious um, that interview though um, the guys from Moon who uh, Moon is an amazing book anyway to be fair to the guys it was very last thing on a Saturday as the show was closing it had been manic all day but the pair of them are lunatics anyway so yes that was very jumbled and disorganised that interview but very 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 funny so I'm waiting to see what yeah, you do I with think, the editor I think my, my favourite point was we get about six minutes in and I say can we please talk about the comic Moon now <laughs> Steve just looks over and goes Moon never heard of it <laughs> and I'm just there like you can just see the exasperation <laughs> on my face I'd wanted to because it's so rare that they're both in one place mm. I'd started to think maybe they were the same person you know yeah this is uh, the writer to get, and to get the, the uh, writer and artist. the artist in yeah. the same place at the same time is actually quite rare because they're both comedians they both work and Dan still does a lot of stage performances and that's why he wasn't there on Sunday he was on stage and performing and, right. and so forth so getting them both in the same place at the same time is really rare that was only possible on the Saturday of course in the daytime they're absolutely swamped they're working really hard I came to interview them they weren't there I did another interview came back and that was right at the end of the day and they'd obviously been awake too long that's all I can yes. say too much coffee yeah. had occurred they, they are amusing and wonderful people and yes. I hope if nothing else that interview shows the sort of level of comedy and silly that goes into the moon as yes. if the premise wasn't silly enough I could do the premise because I've, I've stood around that stall so often that I've sold many comic books to people standing next to me when they're talking to someone else yes. um, generally about 4,000 years ago people tried to summon a demon accidentally summoned the moon the, the moon is just a dude with a moon for a head and uh, since that point every daytime is not needed in the sky anymore he comes down puts on a suit and fights ridiculous comedy crime with his friend Shades who always <laughs> wears sunglasses and it's very very silly and they've just finished the final comic of the first arc comic six which came out in a multi-variant cover limited edition with some chromium bits I was like ooh shiny um, <laughs> and I, I went back the next day to pick up the remaining comics for Moon because uh, obviously it didn't they, they, they tend to come out every MCM so I didn't have the last few yeah. and they, they were so sorry that they gave me the last few issues <laughs> 
And I was like, I'm trying to help people find your comic so you can sell more copies of your amazing comic. Yes. Being really silly on camera, completely sabotaging the interview where I was trying to help you sell your comic, <laughs> then giving me a couple of issues of your comic is like the most opposite thing to yes. what I'm going for here. But thank you. Um, yes. <laughs> the other comic that we um, interviewed when, when you were around, um, I've got the comics next to me so I can pick them up. Because when I went to interview Moon, they weren't there, despite yes. the fact they were supposed to be there. Um, yes. So uh, the love, the lovely candy that helps on their stool said you know what there's a better comic you should be you should be talking to <laughs> yeah. abandoned the stall and took us around the corner to a brilliant comic called NPCT. yes npc is in non-player character and t is in the drink yes which is about a i think it's a demon a sorcerer and a human who decide to stop adventuring and set up a tea shop in cardiff <laughs> And um, I love it's, this. It's absolutely charming and wonderful. I can't wait to put the interview up with her. I'm going to do who I am before Moon because she was lovely and helpful and yeah. funny and wonderful. <laughs> um, and she didn't sabotage me, so so Moon can wait. Yes. They're going to listen to this now, and you know, be <laughs> well, they're going to think it's completely justified. To be fair, yeah, yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, NPCT is beautiful and really, really sweet. The artwork's lovely, done in very limited color palette. Um, sort of I, vaguely anime-ish kind of manga looking but not really but it's just this lovely sweet small story with a lot of humor she also makes the tea from the menu in the tea shop yes and gives it stats so tying back to earlier conversation you can use the tea to have effects on your characters in D D. yes which is, <laughs> which um, is pretty genius just genius pretty, Pretty damn awesome. I picked up a copy of uh, Fearscape, right, which yes. is pretty awesome as well. It's based on the idea that there's a, another world adjacent to our own where our fears manifest. Mm. And every sort of, I think it's 100 years or so, a muse is taken through and they figuratively battle humanity's greatest fears and then come back and write stories about it. And that's how humanity kind of copes with the sort of fears that we have as, as a society. Except that this time they've accidentally taken through someone who is a plagiarist charlatan. Right. And so it goes a bit wrong. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And and the artwork in that is gorgeous. So Fearscape I, is yeah. definitely one to check I, out. I, I had a flip through that the uh, just um absolutely beautiful the the artwork in that uh, he's the artist's name it's ryan something isn't it although the, the uh, ryan o'sullivan is the author the author um, right okay yeah it's it's a team of four of them and i'm afraid i cannot remember which is the name that is right yeah. is the artist but, um, i think in fact maybe more than one of them is yeah an artist, uh, i mean because he's, he's got that and uh what, what's the other book void something void trip um, void trip yeah which is a intergalactic road trip with the last two humans trying to find paradise but they find it halfway through the story and is paradise actually that great right, um, yeah. it's a bit of existential dread and a bit of comedy uh, yeah. so that's a good one i picked that up at london film and comic-con i picked up void right, trip. yeah yeah, yeah, um, and, and that's, that's also a very good book. Yeah, they're, they're both absolutely beautiful looking books. I also picked up the next few issues of Cognition, right? Which is uh, again incredibly beautiful. Minimal. I do love my minimal color palettes when it comes yes. to my comic books. I have to say that one was pretty awesome. That's a, a robot with the soul of a human and a rat with the soul of the demon, and <laughs> they are solving kind of supernatural crimes occurring in a sort of. It's not steampunk, but it's sort of historical alternate world kind of setting right um again exceedingly well written piece of work and um they're really nice guys as well what's the other one i've had uh, punk's not dead right that was one i spotted from across 
you know, sort of walking down one of the the rows, I spotted it because of the the punk covers just looked like something mm. of the time. It looked contemporary to punk culture, and that's the story of a guy that goes to Heathrow Airport, and there's a ghost of a punk rocker guy who thinks he's Sid Vicious but isn't, <laughs> who's been stuck in limbo in Heathrow Airport. Okay, interesting. And from the point they meet, it turns out that this this normal regular person is the only person that can see this ghost, <laughs> and they become kind of tethered they can't go like more than I think 30 metres apart right interesting so they're sort of stuck together I think he described it as somewhere between punk rock and Coronation Street or something I did an interview <laughs> with him I did an interview with him absolutely lovely it was the artist that was there incredible art phenomenal took me a minute to figure out if it was done in mixed media and watercolour or digital oh wow stunning yeah. every, every page absolutely stunning I dread to think how much time it takes to do every yeah. panel in that comic yeah. um, but there was so much Comic Village was huge and I decided to be a crazy masochist on the Friday and I wanted to do a single take walk round of Comic Village yes film everything in order just go up and down every aisle saying uh, let me know so many new people a lot of it's me going oh this looks brilliant I'm coming back to see this later but um, also explaining a bit showing up work showing comics of everyone who was there like literally it's a 48 minute video yeah and i filmed that top and tailed it with a little intro and outro exported it two hours later came back realized i'd spelt comic village wrong uh, <laughs> re-exported it two hours later again we were getting near the end of friday so i needed to upload it to youtube because i really wanted it up on the friday so people coming on saturday could see where everything was before they got there yeah um, i left my phone tethered to my laptop because the wi-fi around the exo area is terrible just yes. yeah you're waiting three minutes for a tweet to load left my phone tethered and uh went out to the fox for the after party <laughs> didn't bother to sort of check on my phone till the next day i thought like, i've got plenty of data on my phone it's just one video file it's quite big but it'll be fine looked at my phone the next day everything was barred oh, no. i accidentally left my dropbox sync Oh no. <laughs> I was going to pause it. I thought I'd pause it. I clearly didn't pause it. 16 gig of mobile data <laughs> later, my network had cut me off. Whoops. Making communication for the rest of Comic-Con very complicated and quite an embarrassing phone call with my network provider where I said, I don't understand where all this data gone. Could you please look at this? I think you've made an error. And then her saying, what exactly were you doing with your phone? And was anything running in the background and halfway through the conversation? As I mean, I was very polite through the entire conversation. I thought they were at fault, but I wasn't being rude at all but realizing i was completely at fault and spending the rest of the conversation going i'm very sorry i'm an idiot <laughs> i do apologize for uh, all of this and they they kindly gave me a bit of, a little bit of data to tide me over for the few days before it rolls over but that was that was great fun Oops. but i did get yes. the video up on friday good that we can put it up on geek town and people can, can watch it if anyone wants to see just the phenomenal amount of talent and varied uh, comic books and artists that you you now get at things like mcm yeah yeah um for the first time in a long time as well they as well as having a bunch of really really talented indie artists they had a group of very well-known dc marvel people as well including people like frank miller there this year as well they really outdid themselves with with comic book people yeah they had brian azaria as well who i completely missed um who was one of the people responsible for 100 bullets which is a brilliant comic yeah i mean frank miller frank quietly chris claremont brian azaria george malona jimmy palo Klaus Janssen I mean the, Tim Sale was there yep Jim Chung and Frank Cho as well both, yeah. both awesome 
guys. Um, uh, John Morata yeah, Jr. I, I kind of said hi to a few people, but it got to the point where there was actually cues for some of the artists, especially yeah. like one of the artists that does um, Harley Quinn covers, I believe yes. it was. They're actually cues in Comic Village, yeah. which was brilliant, brilliant to see uh, because they had mixed some of those bigger guys in in with everyone else in Comic Village. Um, yeah. So it was all, all of the artists and creators together for the most part. Frank Miller was probably under under lock and key somewhere. No, I mean, I think he was out there as well. There were queues all over the place for, for those yeah. guys. It was... I, I, I didn't. Funny. I didn't get to get to see him or speak to him, but I'm guessing he had a lot of yes, a I lot think of um, very popular. Yeah, a lot of people around him and a lot of commitments. With um, yeah. I'm assuming he was doing panels and talks a lot as well. Yes, and that was good. And they were getting some of the the slightly smaller guys to do talks and panels on the smaller stages as well, which yeah. um, was really awesome too. Uh, although it meant that sometimes I'd go to interview people and they weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, uh, still it was still brilliant. And I spend obviously a lot of my time in in Comic Village. Definitely, sort of like my entire Friday is normally spent there. Yeah. It was definitely good to see and awesome to see more comics in Comic-Con as well because I know that's something that, you know, the film and TV stuff's all brilliant and Comic-Con's much bigger than just comics but some people had felt that there weren't enough comic guests and things and that was one of the things MECM promised to have this year was more comic guests as well as film and TV and they really delivered. Yeah, totally delivered. I mean, a phenomenal amount of stuff. I mean, we've not even mentioned things like the Pop Asia stand because they had a the whole sort of Asian area and uh, had a, had a stand into usually that sort of stage that they do all that sort of stuff is outside but uh, given the weather this weekend and how cold it was i'm kind of <laughs> glad that they moved that one inside for them who was the statue company there was a statue company really yes. big diorama statues and those were utterly incredible yeah gorgeous and i didn't i didn't recognize them from a distance i thought it might be sideshow but then i got closer and i realized it wasn't and i didn't take one of their cards but their work was beautiful yeah. some incredible stuff there there was a tattoo section as well which they were doing live tattooing of people. Well, I'm assuming they were. I didn't get too close, but they were. There were people well, just in case. Ca- yeah, just <laughs> just in case I randomly catch a tattoo as I'm going past. But uh, yeah, there they were uh, people lying down, seemingly having tattoos done live while we're at the show. There's so, a massive crossover between the people that go to tattoo conventions and the people that go it, to. I'm Con-Cons. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just such a ridiculous amount of stuff. It's whether you you get round. Well, I mean, you see, we were. They were like all weekend. You still don't get around everything. So uh, I just a phenomenal, phenomenal amount of stuff over the weekend. And of course, the other thing is, is the cosplay. And uh, I mean, hundreds of various cosplay meetups throughout the weekend. But some phenomenal work as ever. You could see quite a lot of the stuff. We've started posting some of them to Instagram, which is uh, Geek Town UK on Instagram. If you want to go and look for that, saw some great costumes. Anything particular stand out for you? A couple of my friends, one of which goes under. Nodge cosplay, N-O-J cosplay. Um, they did sort of classic but sort of slightly armoured versions of Jean Grey and Cyclops complete with like LEDs and the light up Ooh. visor and everything and nice. um, that was brilliant because I didn't even know they were working on that. And there was the incredible armoured Harley Quinn based on the play arts yeah. figure. Katia Fern, her name is. Ka- yeah, Katia Fern, that's the one. Yeah, she does some incredible cosplays yeah. as well. Um, there was some pro cosplay guests as well. We had uh, Anna Quinn and Candy Valentina. Yes. Anna Quinn did an amazing Jessica Rabbit. Did you see that? I saw that. Yeah, that was Those posted heels on your and feed. That corset yeah. And the, the weight of the wig, like her, her dedication <laughs> being that, standing in there, because those heels were 
phenomenal. She was approximately 100 meters taller than me wearing them. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they did some awesome outfits and uh, it's cool to see the cosplayers, the pro cosplayers getting some, getting stands and being there as guests and, and yeah. getting to meet people as well. Um, I love the eclectic mix of everything. So if yeah. you wanted to go and just chill with your friends or just play computer games or just read some comics or apparently get a tattoo as well, or uh, people sit outside and have picnics together or just do loads of photo shoots, you can do, you know, whichever bits of Comic-Con you like and people can go and have a completely different experience to someone else that's been. Yeah, totally. It's so friendly and and welcoming and such good fun. It is wonderful. I mean, I love the variation in the cosplay as well, you know, because you've got obviously loads of people dressing as, as your Harley Quinns and your Jokers. There's all less Jokers, a few less Jokers and a few less Harley Quinns. You're getting a bit more it's variation. It's all Bowsette now. now. The, the yeah. game is spot the Bowsette. Yes. That's Bowsette. the one that's blown up on social media, the, the the sort of female Princess Peach looking version of Bowser, which is super cute. And I saw four of those on the train on the Saturday on the wow. way in. That, that's the one that's kind of fun. And I, I, I'm assuming they had a meetup for Bowsettes. I, I well. would imagine there was. Uh, I mean, there was a few kind of interesting, unique ones I spotted. I mean, you've got like from Mega City One Judges, which are always fun to see. There was one guy dressed as Sideshow Bob, which I, I thought from <laughs> The Simpsons, which I thought was brilliant because how often do you see one of those and I there was a guy dressed as a Lucy from Disenchantment just wearing a black single black suit and then had done on cardboard the head facing in profile and was wearing it as a mask <laughs> it worked really well I guess like it's such a simple idea but it really really worked yes I, I saw a few disenchantment cosplays they that seems to uh, be going down quite well uh, one of my favorites uh, apart from the uh, the guy doing solid snake who was basically a pair of legs in combat outfit yeah, I think he had a costume on underneath but you didn't see him most of the time he was basically wearing camo legs and had a box which he was carrying yes. around. Yes, you, you always get someone do it, doing that one, and it's so much fun. Um, the um, green, green Giant Green Lantern mashup is always yes. fun. Yeah, get a couple of people doing good. that. There's a thing that happens at, um, not at MCM, but at one of the big anime conventions in a hotel, and the hotel has a famously really 80s psychedelic carpet in all the hallways, and a bunch of people make costumes that camouflage them to the carpet. <laughs> And, and then kind of military style go across the floor and crawling along on the floor um, it really is you get people that take this really seriously and they make wonderful absolutely screen perfect movie ready level incredibleness you get people that just tape toilet roll tubes and cardboard boxes to themselves and write transformer on it people that do incredible kind of like the, the Victorian or steampunk versions of like Disney princesses and characters and things are, are amazing or people that just yeah dress as a, a carpet it's yeah. such an an awesome community and such great fun. I mean, I, th I think that's what I, I love just about the cosplay people is it is such an open and, and friendly group of people that you meet there and ranging from the people that do it professionally to the people that are just kind of, you know, th thrown costumes together over a weekend and done sort of an amateur thing to every level in between. But whatever you want to go as, everybody's always happy to see you. And I, I mm. that's what I absolutely love about it. Uh, two of my favourite guys was a pair of friends who were sorry if you if you're listening, but I would say were probably in at least their mid forties and uh, dressed up as Desperate Dan and Dennis the Menace, and just because <laughs> you just don't see those sort of British comic books very much, and I I thought uh, just adorable and really sweet, and, and I love seeing things like that, the sort of slightly more off the wall things that you don't. I hope see they went up because the artist for Dennis the Menace was there. I suspect I hope they went up to yeah. him. He's funny. He 
he always sort of like waves at me and um, and things. There's a few of those guys who are from from the I don't want to call it like the old guard of comic strip comics, you know, yeah, the yeah. classic comic strip comics. And uh, they're really funny when I go past with my camera. They always hold things up in front of their face and, and they sort of go like, "You, you, you and your camera," and they give me a wave and a smile. <laughs> they're all absolutely lovely guys. Um, yeah. yeah, there was a guy who um, used to dress as uh, when Pokemon Go was at its sort of height. Would dress as one of the the poker stops or the gyms. <laughs> and then everyone dressed as Pokemon would come and run around him. <laughs> you know, it's, people see other people dressed as something from their franchise or, yeah. you know, uh, related franchises and they will run up and do stuff together. You know, like there, there were two people, was it last MCM, who were dressed as Bruce Wayne's parents. And whenever they saw a Batman cosplayer, they lied on the floor and pretended <laughs> to be shocked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so some photos of that just funny. I mean, I just love things like that. And you meet such great people and uh you particularly if you're going in your own costume as well you end up chatting with people that are are in the same sort of you know so if you're in a batman costume you'll go end up going to and, and bumping into people with robin or nightwing and, and they all kind of cluster together and get photos in groups and i you know you end up making great friends so honestly if you're going to one of these things Put yourself in a costume and go because it, it's it's great fun. It's well worth doing. I've got hundreds of photos coming up, which will be going up onto the Geek Town UK Instagram feed over the next sort of week or couple of weeks. I'll, I'll be drip feeding photos and edits of photos and stuff out on there. So uh, keep an eye out on that for, for more of them. So I think we've pretty much covered anything on Comic Con. Have you got anything else you want to put in? No, I think I took up a massive amount of your airspace. <laughs> so right. that's all the stuff from Comic Con. Oh, we should be doing it again in Birmingham next, uh, or I will be, at least be doing it again in Birmingham next month. So uh, I, I will look forward to seeing people there. Now we've got a couple of bits of TV and film news. <laughs> TV and film news stories this week. Uh, one of the big stories, Del Toro and Jim Henson have apparently teamed up to make a Pinocchio series for Netflix. This is a stop motion animated series that they're, they're doing, apparently. It's um, something that Del Toro has been wanting to do for a very, very long time. It's sort of one of his passion projects. And if you're going to do it with anybody, you do it with Jim Henson, really. I think if you're doing stop motion animation, that's that's got to be the, the thing to do, right? I, I guess. I'm completely sold i don't i like i literally don't need to know anything more about this series it's just it's two incredibly creative wonderful forces presumably coming together to make something that's gonna be much more darker and surreal than pinocchio would normally be although it is it is quite a strange strange fairy tale as they often as they often are yeah. but yeah like that just sounds amazing and i'm so glad that netflix has, has picked that up because it just it's going to be fairly fairly niche but it's yeah. going to be it's, it's just going to be a work of art I, I just can't I can't see any way that isn't going to be amazing yeah I, I mean really hope I'm not proved wrong I, I, I yeah it, it looks like it's going to be absolutely fabulous uh, people involved in terms of the animation side of things you've got uh, people that were involved with Adventure Time the Fantastic Mr. Fox film Corpse Bride the uh, Tim Burton stuff so I, I mean this just looks like it's going to be quite incredible I think they said in our story Pinocchio is an innocent soul with an uncaring father who gets lost in a world he cannot comprehend he embarks on an extraordinary journey that leaves him with a deep understanding of his father 
father and the real world. I wanted to make this movie for as long as I can remember and the incredible experience we've had on Troll Hunters. I'm grateful that their talented team at Netflix have given me the opportunity of a lifetime to introduce audiences everywhere to my version of this strange puppet turned real boy. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like it's actually going to, it's not going to be like a series. It's going to be a film. But, I mean, that that's perfectly fine. I think that makes sense. One definitely to look out for, I think, that as a Netflix movie. Mm. Uh, the- I think it's going to be one of those ones that's just going to be Dave McKean's uh, Mirror Mask. Yeah. Was it was a beautiful and mix of all sorts of types of, you know, live action animation and things. And I feel like this is Del Toro and, and Henson teaming up to make their piece that is akin to, to that film. And again, a beautiful, surreal, grown-up fairy tale. Yeah. I can't wait till they start releasing teasers for that. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be amazing. The other bit of news that came out last week is uh, CBS All Access have given an order to a new Star Trek animated series, which is a comedy which is is not something I think they've they've ever really done with Star Trek before. They've done like uh, animated shows before, but I I don't think there's officially been a comedy before. It's called Star Trek Lower Decks. It's a half hour animated comedy. It comes from the Emmy award winning Rick and Morty writer Mike McCannon. There was a quote from Alex Kurzman, who is he's god of all things Trek now at CBS, and he's the person that's bringing the new Picard series and uh, has taken over Discovery since they've. Had issues with showrunners so he's basically the the god of all things trek now he said mike won our hearts with his first sentence i want to do a show about the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so banana can come out at the other end (laughs) was his pitch for it it's just uh they seem to be getting far more loose with what's okay to be under the star trek banner now because our latest series is you know a lot of people are saying that oh you know is discovery actually Star Trek and is this they seem to be much more willing to kind of play with the brand play with the world and do a lot more kind of disparate things that to to suit all the different fans because it's like some of Star Trek is very funny intentionally or not especially with the original series and um i quite like this idea which may anger hardcore (laughs) trekkies but i I, I think as long as you see it as a separate thing that has no impact on any of your other trek stuff then why not yeah i think it's brilliant it's um going to focus on the support crew of one of starfleet's least important ships is the idea mike himself is like a massive massive trek fan apparently his cat's name is Riker. he's some name is Sagan uh, this is uh, uh, Alex talking about he says the man is committed he's brilliantly funny notes every inch of every Trek episode that's his secret source he writes with the pure joyful heart of a true fan so I mean I, I think it looks brilliant and uh, it's not the first time he's been involved with comedy Star Trek stuff as well he started a Twitter account which was posting episode plots to a fake season of Star Trek The Next Generation and it was such a hit that Simon and Schuster, the uh, publishing people, hired him to write a reader's guide to a fictitious eighth season of Next Generation called Star Trek The Next Generation colon warped colon an engaging guide to the never aired eighth season. How do I not own this? That I is something I now so immediately genius. need to Google. That's yeah. brilliant. And that's exactly who you want to be doing comedy Star Trek is going to be absolutely by fans, for fans. There better be triples. That's all I'm going to say now. Just in case they're listening. There, there has to be. Surely there, there has, has to be. be. Yeah. 
So it'll be, it'll be criminal not to include at least three triple episodes yes. or an ongoing triple gag, a running there, gag. There needs to be something. But uh, I, I mean, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, at the moment, it's not got a UK pickup, but I would think that's something that Netflix will take. One would imagine, since they have all the other Trek stuff at the moment, apart from the Trek shorts, which is mildly annoying. But uh, they've got everything else, and they're getting the next season of Discovery, which arrives in January. So uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. But hopefully that will end up popping up on there when it arrives but uh, one definitely to keep an eye out for it's called star trek lower decks so that's all the news for this week next we'll move on to the interview when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The interview this week, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, comes direct from Comic-Con. It is with the actor Paul McGann, who uh, many of you will out there will know from being the eighth incarnation of the Doctor, not the ninth, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, I realised. As I said before, I believe he's seen as the longest-running incarnation of the Doctor due to the fact that he uh, happened to be the person that was left with the role when it kind of disappeared off, off TV. He starred in the Doctor to film and uh, then made a, a reprisal in the uh, the Night of the Doctor little mini episode, as well as doing 70, 100,000 audio dramas based around the uh, the Doctor as well, which is, is what he was sort of working on, keeping the flame alive for the uh, for fans in between. He's also, of course, extremely well known for the classic British film With Nail and I. Uh, he's popped up in films such as Alien 3, The Three Musketeers, TV shows. He's uh, appeared in Bletchley Circle. He's been in Waking the Dead. He's popped up in Jonathan Creek. Most recently, I think he's been on Holby City. So you know who the guy is. You've seen him everywhere. Here's the interview with Paul McGann. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. <laughs> Wow, this is like a press conference. <laughs> Shall I do a scowling one like uh, Jose Mourinho? No. <laughs> so, uh, is there a universal uh, thing like about the best thing, about, the best thing about being the doctor that all doctors agree on? And if so, what is it? Like, what would you say is the best thing about being the doctor? About being the about playing the doctor. Yeah. yeah. I think doing these shows because these are the times when you meet the people that you make the thing for, um, and this is and it's sociable and it's funny. Um, I'm not saying they all are. Some of them, are, you know, some of them don't quite work out. But when they when they're as well run as this, uh, you know, and, and you can hear yourself talk, and uh, you know, we get a chance to meet the people. Um, so that's the buzz. I suppose for us, it's you know, as actors, it's it's because it's the feedback. 
Um, and quite simply, you know, you're in a room with all the people that love it like you love it. You know, so what could possibly go wrong? That's that's the best bit. You know, it is the best bit. Uh, so, you know, you know, if you're an actor and you're doing theatre, you know, the, the feedback's instantaneous. You, know, you can talk to people in the bar or, you know, and that's great because, you know, everyone loves talking about their work and, well, most of us do. Uh, or like with Doctor Who, for example, or say you were in Star Wars or whatever. You know, you're, like I say, you're meeting the people that you make it for. And that's the kind of, that's, that's the best thing, you know. There's no other thing. That's the only thing. In the recent episode of Doctor Who, Rosa, there was a lot of um, uh, talking lots on the uh, fan forums. There was 2PC. What was your... I didn't see it. Well, the, no, I saw the, uh, with the Jodie Whittaker one. That was the third of the... Second episode. Second. Yeah. No, I've got. It was the third. I saw the first one where she was introduced, and I've got the other two playing on catch up. I've got to get home. I haven't been home yet. Uh, I don't get home till Sunday, so um, no, I'm waiting. So no spoilers. Don't tell me what happens in it. Um, yeah, but uh, anyway, so I, I can't answer your question because I just I haven't seen it. So. That was a bit. That was that was Arsene Wenger, wasn't it? I, <laughs> I didn't see it. I couldn't possibly. Not from where I was sitting, how could I possibly see it? Should Doctor Who and sci-fi be political, or surely it's been that way from the beginning? Anyway? You mean? You mean? That was probably the biggest takeaway from that most recent episode. Not to spoil anything, it was just a very strong political commentary, and was it? It set a lot of people up. in some people's eyes. Yes. In some people's eyes, yeah. Um, the fact is, you know, it's a drama. It's a TV drama, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, the stories, you know, you're going backwards and forwards in time, and you know, different eras. Um, and, you know, you're making stories, you know, like all the best stories and like the best sci-fi stories. They, often many of them end up being morality tales. There's only four or five ways to tell a story. And Doctor Who works best when, you know, you maybe you like a look in the first episode where Jodie came down. Uh, for me, it was there was something nice and old-fashioned and familiar about it. The Doctor sorting out a bit of stuff on Earth, you know, and and there's a little bit of you know between good and bad and a bit of a ma- so. By extension, I think you can hardly not involve yourself in politics. I think I think there's a difference between matters that have a political aspect and party political politics. Doctor Who should never be party political. There's no need, and why should it? Because what would, that would date it quicker than anything but what's universal about it is that you know um you know some most of the stories i mean you look at it in any era right from the beginning with william hartnell there's you know there's politics in everything there's politics in all of the stories doctor who had a family so politics begins there you know and if you're going out and trying to sort out crime and good and bad and um you know villains from goodies you're going to get involved in politics um but I agree that it, um, there's no need for it to stray into party politics, and it, but it never has, has it? No. no. I mean, if it, if, it, you know, if it ends up getting involved in some of the stories, say, in, you know, um, earth conflicts, war and stuff, um, then I'm sure as a writer you'd have to be careful, you know, because you don't want to, you know, you wouldn't want to take sides. Again, I've not seen the episode you mentioned, so um, I hope they handled it. With tact, I've heard very good things about it. You know, I've heard heard people sort of raving about it. Um, This series is on fire, actually. I think she's. 
brilliant. From the moment she arrived, yeah. I thought she she uh, she nailed it. Yeah. We've all, you know, any of us that's played the Doctor has had to do that same thing. <laughs> I'm talking about the first episode, you know, where you it's necessary you spend that first, you know, you arrive and go, I've just woken up. I, I don't know who I am. Who, you know, where have I come from? You know, everyone has to do that same thing. And she did it beautifully, you know, and she got through it and she got through it quickly and then was into her stride real quick. Um, she's obviously a superb actor. Okay. You know, anyway. Yeah, I'd love to meet her. I've never she's met her. Bonkers. <laughs> Which I think, but she's technically really deft as well. You know, as another actor, like watching her, she's doing things immediately. You're going, wow, that she's just great. You know, um, she's like she's completely. I mean, you know, look how Capaldi started, Matt Smith started, even Tennant himself. You know, was a very confident actor. You know, they if you go if you went back to their first few eps, you know, they're feeling their way in. It's just the way it is. You know, you're stepping into something that other people have done before you. Which is a little bit of pressure anyway. Uh, she didn't seem to have any of that. She just seemed to l- just dive in, you know, with 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 humour, and that was the you best way. You had to do because you had such a short period to do. You had to. You had the, in many ways the toughest job. I had a weird job, but I yeah. think. Um, you had to nail it, and you're still remembered as the doctor, which means you did nail it. And everybody I suppose it. when in '96 when we did that um, that telly pilot, that was that that was a, almost a double weird job because um, it was meant to to get a series off the ground in the, in the states. Yeah, you know, so it was that so that was that huge departure. You know, if it, if it had been successful and a series would have gone, you know, then. Um, well, I'd have belonged to them for six years, and we'd have, we'd have made a series in North America. So the Doctor would have moved Lock, Stock, and Bell to North America. It would have been, you know, you can imagine. It didn't happen, um, which is why we've got Matt Smith, David Tennant, and all those, you know, since. But uh, it was a strange pressure, you know, given that five years before they'd got rid of Doctor Who uh, in 89. So. But yet, but the fans still existed. It'd been on for twenty odd years, and 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 the the, the chief remit, the, the the job of this pilot was to was to find an American audience, which they were convinced existed. It seems mad to say that now, because that's where the yeah, exactly. uh, that's where it is. That's where Doctor Who is in in North America. But it, but in in the mid nineties, they were sort of convinced, but and presumably they didn't watch in sufficient numbers that it made the ratings that, that got it to a series. So I suppose we had this dual objective of trying to. Appeal to this new audience, trying to trying trying to sort of educate them in the thing, while while not putting the noses out of joints of people back home, so to speak, who followed the thing for twenty odd years, and it never, perhaps it never quite, it fell between the two, yeah, to, the two stuff. But yeah, they were a bit worried about Lord Paddington because obviously in America nobody really knew Paddington. Well, yeah, it's always a tricky thing. Yeah, there you go. It could have gone differently, but there you go. So with that. Uh, entry into trying to break a new audience plus being aware of this huge body of work that had come before it. What were the things that like you felt were really important to get that character started, the character that... Well, then we got all, 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 it's a good question. And all we had to... Uh, we had a pilot to make. Uh, and pilots, even even... Even had it been successful, the pilot would probably still have been distinct from what followed because 
because of it's almost formal. You're, you're having to say this is this, this, and you know, and I can almost remember conversations that the grown-ups were making, uh, the producers saying, "Okay, look, uh, we need five things, you know, iconic things that we got to make sure that we include them." You know, you, you know, they were having to do it by numbers almost. You know, it's, well, so, and it's a little bit like if you'd watch the first, uh, the Jodie Whittaker's first thing. You know, there's a, of course there's a pressure to introduce new faces. You know, so you know, the first ep of anything is 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 what it is and then you know then you then you can sort of get into your stride after that and we never got further than that so and of course there were ideas that I, I discussed with them you know this we come back in October and we, we do this that and the other you know ways that over the years that we were going to play the character but 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 in this in this TV pilot which they now call the movie for <laughs> reasons known yeah um, you know we had to say we got to do this you got to do it. of course you had to have the regeneration that had to be there and then you know then certain aspects of say the costume and the look and then things that you say and things that you do and uh, how we finish it you know so um, it was kind of it was we had to play it straight it plainly it wasn't enough so they, I imagine they gave you a lot of prompts, but did, did you really remember what the, some of the things you specifically wanted to try and put into the character back when it was all fresh and you weren't too sure? Well, like, uh, when, when, well I'll tell you further, but when, when Phil Siegel, who's, who's, he, he was responsible for, it was mostly his energy, um, I think that's probably fair to say, uh, got the thing, got, got those companies together, Universal, Fox, the BBC. Um, he got me to do it. You know, he wore me down over about a year because um, I didn't want to do it. Um, and when, you know, by the time he persuaded me to do it, it was, it was mostly by dint of our having sat down and talked um, and him selling the idea to me. And, and uh, you know, for example... Uh, the year before, you know, that when there'd just been rumours that Doctor Who might return, uh, you know, and we'd heard, oh, have you heard um, Eric Idle's going to come back? He's going to be the... Do well, yeah, uh, as the Doctor in, in America. Or uh, Rowan Atkinson is going to, you know... And, but, it, but, but at the time, it was stuff that... There were names, and, I, and you thought, oh, God, yeah, I could see that. Well, you sort of could, because it was in keep, within keeping, say, with what McCoy had been doing, and, you know... And then... Um, Siegel had seen me in the telly, on the telly with my brothers in this period thing, and I was dressed as a priest from the 1840s in this long, dark frock-up with long hair, and he'd gone, who's that kid? Because I looked like the doctor, his idea of a doctor. So, so now he's trying to persuade me to do it. But anyway, and initially I was going, well, hang on, man, because those, those guys you're talking about, Eric Idle, and they're, they're proper comedians and they're this and that, and I don't do that. That's not what... He's going, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, and so no, I do this. He says, "Yeah, I know." Uh, so anyway, we had these conversations, and like like most actors, I'm going, "Well, hey, you know, um, I I, just, I think he's dark, and I think he's you know actors, actors always say that they like go for the darkness." And he's just nodding his head, going, "Yep, okay, we'll, we'll have dark, you know." Anyway, but he's letting me hang myself, and um, and I ended up doing it. And so, in answer to your question, what probably would have followed, what certainly would have followed. Would would because I, I, I was I was more taken with the idea of the doctor as a kind of you know he's a, not a fugitive but he's he's left his home planet he can't go back something has happened there's been a schism or there's been a you know and he's traveling and he's sort of itinerant and he's a voyager um, that you know so um, and he's melancholy and there's you know there's of course he's 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 also you know he's got a human side this was the more you know, that half-human thing was a bit more contentious. I didn't know that at the time. Um, 
but not as contentious as when he kissed the girl. Um, the, anyway, so I found that out. But uh, so anyway, but but in the end, he he um, you know he said no no you we want a dramatic actor, which is what I rather arrogantly um, purported to be. But he said no, that's what we want, you know. And as as has been proved since, um, that's what he is. That's what you you know. And Jodie Whittaker, like you know Matt Smith, is, first and foremost, is just a really solid, lovely actor. That's what you need. Have anyway. you ever played the whip now in my drinking game? Do I look like the kind of person <laughs> who has a death wish? That would just be insane, wouldn't it? It would be, yeah. Have you ever played it? I, I've heard of mine, people. I've heard of people trying to do it. A friend of mine is trying to convince me, so I just don't do it. Why would you want it? And anyway, you'd get twenty minutes in if it's even twenty minutes. Um, but that's before the lighter fluid yeah. uh, comes well, we're enters. About substituting that with vinegar. That's what Richard Grant did. That yeah. was that was what was in the tin. Um, but that means you've already got past um, two pints of cider and two large gins. You're going to be shit-faced then, right? And you're only, you're only 20 minutes in, aren't you? And you've still got an hour to go. And you haven't even got to the red wine. What, are you trying to kill yourself? Why would you want to do that? I think it's nuts. Crazy. You, you returned uh, for, the, for, the sh- for the web short. And there's, a web short? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, web, the, uh, the, the kind of bridge to gap between yeah. uh, the war doctor and, the, and uh, his, his regeneration. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a, a big thing at the moment with uh, with Big Finish. Uh, is that something that you'd be interested in uh, reprising the role as the doctor for? For what? For a Big Finish. I've done 150 big finishes. Okay. Yeah, that's been my whole career. I mean, uh, the, the the eighth Doctor. I've shot on screen. I've been the Doctor for about an hour and a half in 20 odd years. Okay. I've just I've just done I've done the 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 pilot we were talking about and this six minute thing. That's it. But I've done 100 odd of the big finishes. That's where the eighth Doctor lives. He lives on he lives on audio. So you know, um, and again to to talk about the, your your question before about you know what say particularly what me and Phil Siegel had talked about in terms of the character of the Doctor, the eighth Doctor, the one that I was given to do. Most of that's now been we we put that into the into the audio plays. You know, all that sort of dark stuff and the, <laughs> the melancholy voyage or whatever it is. You know, it's all in there. It's all in there. Um, you know, so, yeah, so, um, and we're going back next week. I'll go back and do some more. So, and that's just been continuous. I've been doing them since 2003. That's been 15 odd years. Do approach, I, uh, sorry, do you approach acting on audio differently to like TV or film? Not really. No, you, uh, it's, it's, it's storytelling. Um, you don't have to learn the lines, thank God. Um, you can read it out. And, and, and when we make the big finishes, generally there's a studio that we use in in West London, uh, and they've purpose-built these uh, these wooden isolation booths. So seven or eight of you can work in the room at the same time, and, we, and there's glass in them so you can see each other, but you, you can all be on different channels, so you can sort of, and you sort of see them like shouting their heads off, and uh, but we can we can look each other in the eye. It's great, you know. It's a, it's a great way of working. No, there's no no. You, it's the same. You approach it just the same, uh, except you're freed from having to pull all the right faces. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you were on the telly, that's all telly acting's about. You just got to pull the right face. Yeah. Uh, if you were to have got uh, the American show, um, if you could pick uh, two or three um, actors from past, present, um, from Hollywood to be assistants, who would you want? To be assistants? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, Louise Brooks. Maybe I'll pick two women and a, and a fella. Uh, Louise Brooks. 
Karen Black. You're looking at me now, Blank. Oh, you're gonna, <laughs> well, you can Google them when I've gone, right? Karen Black, Tanya. <laughs> You'll thank me later. And, uh, and a fella, how about... I was going to say Cary Grant, but he'd, he'd be too good for everybody. He'd be the best thing ever. Um, who played Little Caesar? Um, what was him in the silent movies? Uh, who was that? Oh, James yeah. No, Little Caesar. Um, oh, what's his name? Who? Edward G. Robinson. There you go, Edward G. Robinson. He'd be the best, man. He'd be a fantastic... He, I tell you what, he'd give Bradley Walsh a run for his money. I tell you, Edward G. Robinson. Or maybe the other way around. Don't you think Bradley Walsh is fantastic? Oh, no, he's amazing. He was a revelation. When I, saw, I mean, I knew he could act. That, me and, me and uh, Capaldi, Capaldi did a job with him years back. Uh, you know, he came from football. He was a professional football player. He's in lots of stuff. But uh, when I saw that first ep with uh, Jody and, and particularly where they got to that funeral scene, I thought... Wow, that is as good as anything. He's beautiful and he's subtle. He doesn't give it away. And it's just like he's, I tell you what, that he's, he's the quiet revelation. Yeah. She can do all that stuff, but he's going to, he's got it. He's going to anchor it, you know, somewhere just beautifully, I think. Yeah. How was it uh, recording the new audios with Sheridan Smith again? That was a hoot. Yeah. Obviously, you can't. That was away, that. Yeah. Was, no, but uh, I can tell you, we had a we had a laugh because yeah. that had already, that had been six or seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, since she'd she'd, she'd been there. Uh, no, we had a real good time. Because, you know, we lost her to superstardom. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was nice of her to, to deign to come back <laughs> and grace us with that, with that royal... It was like a royal visit. <laughs> you know, no, it was great. I mean, and, um, and you know what I liked as well? For the first half an hour, she was nervous. Because yeah. um, it meant that much. Yeah. It was really sweet. You know, she's Sheridan Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any historical characters you like to meet in the audio book that you like to interact with? Historical characters? Don't know. David Bowie. Yes. Karen Black. Karen Black. <laughs> interact is putting it mildly. <laughs> Sorry, just one more question. Yeah. You've probably been asked a million questions over your career about everything. Make it good then. It better, it better be a good one. Is there one question you wish someone had asked you but they never did? And if so, what's the question and what's the answer? What would you say to your fans to know about you? You're going to regret that, make it good now, aren't you? Yeah, regret, I'm regretting that now, yeah. I've dug a hole for myself there, haven't I? You've got to come up with a good question. I have, yeah. A question that I wish... wish someone had asked you but they never did or something you'd like our fans, our readers, to know about you. Something you'd like to tell your viewers? Um, no, there isn't one. And you know why? Because I believe that actors should have a little bit of... a little bit of mystique. <laughs> I, that's, I'm, I'm genuine. You've, you know, you, you can't give it all away. I mean that. Go on, then. I from a four-year-old boy once, and it, um, and it was, do you see the invisible people? It's one of the kids I had to ask. I'm a... Do you see the invisible people? Yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a famous insomniac seriously for years and years and um, so I have when it's, if I'm in a bad bout uh, I have uh, I suppose what, I don't know what the word is but I would call them um, micro dreams waking dreams oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I dream I could dream now when I'm awake uh, and it means that you know it, and that's in a bad bout and they might only last for four seconds and in those four seconds, I've seen some invisible people. <laughs> Let me tell you. 
Um, it's really disconcerting. And it means, yeah, I'm not going to talk to any insomnia, but it means you've got to, you know, of course you can't drive. It means you've got to leave the car at home because, you know, why would you want to? But yeah, so sometimes um, uh, I get them. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen some weird things. Actually, that would drive me crazy. I wake up early because I'm worrying about something, but I'm not sleeping at night. I, I could... Or to dream, like I say, you know, to dream briefly while you're still awake. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, and sometimes it's quite ordinary. Um, I'll say, uh, I'll think that we've had a conversation about something or right. you've said, you've said, and um, it might be some, one of my kids or a friend and they go, what? I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> no. And I said, no, it was 10 minutes ago and they said, no, 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 no. You dreamt it and I, I literally have dreamt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I've seen invisible people. You've seen the invisible people. In fact, I think I'm seeing them now. I think you're all. I think you use it all in my dream, mate. And I'm, in fact, I'm lying in that hotel across the way there. Yeah. All right. That was wonderful. Thank you. I'm going to dig it out tonight. Look up, Caroline. Let's see it. So that was the interview with Paul McGann from MCM Comic Con. There's a whole stack of video interviews if you want to go and see those as well. They're all up on YouTube now. If you go to youtube.com forward slash Geek Town, you can find all the videos that we took from MCM Comic Con with people from Shadowhunters and uh, people from Uncharted and loads of other places. So go and have a look through those. Now some highlights for next week on TV. So, highlights for next week on TV. We kick off with uh, my favourite of the DC shows, Legends of Tomorrow is back for its full season. That's on the 31st of October at 8pm on Sky One. That returns. Ray Donovan, also a brilliant show. That's back for its sixth season, which uh, sees him move from LA to New York, I think, in this uh, current season. So that's uh, on Sky Atlantic, 31st of October at 9pm that arrives. Then we've got a really interesting new drama coming to Channel 4 called The First. It's a, a sci-fi about the first human mission to mars stars sean penn looks like it could be really quite good this uh channel 4 first of november at 9 p.m that one is then one of the big shows house of cards returns for its sixth and final season that is back on the 2nd of november to netflix sees robin wright as president for that season homecoming this is a new show from Mr. Robot's Sam Ishmael and Julia Roberts stars in that. It's a psychological thriller coming to Amazon Prime on the 2nd of November to see that. Also coming to Amazon Prime this time on the 5th of November, Outlander Season 4. That is back, so I know there are a lot of Outlander fans that are going to be very happy about that. It's a really, really good show, so we're glad to see that back 5th of November on Amazon Prime for Outlander Season 4. And then lastly, we have Stan Against Evil, the third season season of that comes to Fox UK and that is on the 6th of November at 11pm for that. So that's the show for this week. I think we've we've covered pretty much anything and especially Comic Con. If you want more from Bex, you can find her at... You can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and generally looking around confused under the name Trista Bytes, spelled B-Y-T-E-S because I'm doubly geeky and thought I'd use my name to make a computer-based pun because I'm really bad at branding. Um, yeah, and I'll be putting up videos which are going to be all the indie comics, indie games and coverage of the Comic-Cons and that ginormous single-take walk-around of Comic Village. Please watch it. I was a complete masochist to do that to myself. And um, yeah, if people watch that, that will help me feel slightly better about using the entirety of my uh, mobile data for the next 
five years. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show again. It's been great fun. And where can they find Geek Town? You can find us with your questions and comments on uh, podcast at geektown.co.uk. You can uh, find the website, obviously, at geektown.co.uk. Get all the latest air data information. You can leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geek Town on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Town, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Geek Town, on Instagram at Geek Town UK. And you can find us on Spotify. If you go and look for Geek Town Radio on Spotify, we will come up on there now as well. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.